This episode of When Words Fail, Music Speaks is sponsored by BetterHelp. As you guys know, we talk a lot about mental health on the show. One of the best decisions that I've ever made in my life was deciding to talk to a therapist. Therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse, and it can help you avoid those lows. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's very customizable, it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. See why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com using the discount code MUSICSPEAKS. That's 10% off your first month. BetterHelp.com. Use the discount code MUSICSPEAKS. Hey guys, we wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about our recent partnership with the Amazing Bones Coffee Company. Let's face it, you're probably sick and tired of drinking that old plain Jane coffee brand every morning. Well, fret not, dear listener. Bones Coffee is here to kick your taste buds into high gear. Bones Coffee has a wide variety of flavors to choose from, including maple bacon, peaches and spring, island grog, and my personal favorite, chocolate raspberry. Once you become hooked on the coffee, you'll be excited to learn that they have plenty of merch options to choose from as well. T-shirts, mugs, tote bags, the list goes on. You can buy their coffee in whole bean, ground, and even evil single serve options. Guys, we wouldn't lie to you. This coffee is great, and we know that you're going to love it too, which is why we have partnered up with Bones Coffee, and now our listeners have an exclusive discount code. Make sure to use the code MUSICSPEAKS at checkout for 10% off your order. That's right, James. Go to BonesCoffee.com to kickstart your new coffee addiction and use the code MUSICSPEAKS for 10% off today. Like many of you, we battle depression during life's ups and downs. Music has always been the one thing that we could rely on to get us through the tough times that we all face. Follow us on our journey as we discuss the healing power of music, interview bands, break down genres, review band biographies, and more. This is the When Words Fail Music Speaks Podcast with Blake Mosley and James Cox. Hey, it's me, it's me, it's J-A-C, and there's a dog in the background, but that's okay, because we love dogs here at When Words Fail. Literally the second we start recording. Right. Right, they were calm when we were talking to each other before we recorded. Yeah, the whole time they were calm. It's as soon as we start recording. You want to bring one in? So you you want to bring one in? Yeah. Okay. Come on. Anywho, huh? Welcome to When Words Fail Music Speaks podcast, where we fight depression with the power of guest music. I'm your professional handicapped host, James Cox, and I am not the voice from Scooter from the Muppets, but that's okay because. We have a very special guest with us today. It's it's Lucy. Am I correct? It's Lucy's Lucy. in the background now. Well, she's and we've got at... Hank over here too, but he's really shy. Hank, uh, that's a fun word. And, that's a fun name uh, to say. It, it is a fun name. <laughs> and I'm choking uh, on uh, my water, um, but you can also call me Blake uh, or Brosley or Emo Bimo or um. All the things. Sorry. I'm broke. That threw me for a complete loop. My dog. <laughs> Brosley, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but oh, we're back. Okay. We're so the most uh, names that I love to say is Hank. 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 Uh, and Lou. There he is. And hey, Hank. Yeah. And Lou. Okay. So let me tell you about the third with Lou. 
Okay. Uh, when we were, I, I was like 16 and we were living in, uh, I think, Plant City, Florida. And me uh-huh. and my dad used to go to uh, ball games a lot, you know. Right. And, and they had this 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 uh, uh, this uh, ball player playing the Lou something, right? And every time uh-huh. he went up to the bat, I was like, hey, why why are they all all booing him? You know, boo, you know, like that. And I'm like, why are they all booing him, Dad? And he's like, that's not they're they're, they're calling him Lou because that's his name. But when you have forty five thousand people saying Lou, it sounds like boo. Ah. So, Ooh. Oh no! Yeah, so I'm like, why are you booing your old? You know, because it was, uh, you know, that's where the Reds, the, the Cincinnati Reds, um, um, were were practicing all the time. I'm like, yeah, you're, you're, I'm like, they're dogging their own home, homegrown. <laughs> you know, I'm like Jesus, man. But <laughs> but I didn't understand, so yeah. So, but yeah, he is Brosley, aka Emo Bimo. AKA the loudest guy in the room, so he is Blake Mosley. I'm all out of sorts here. I'm sorry. This is it just threw me off. It threw me off. They we, were so quiet we the have, whole time. We and have, the second we hit record, <laughs> it's chaos. Yeah. Chaos around these parts. We have two good dogs, so we're gonna let that side because we they're love good, dogs. They're there. good dogs. Yeah. They usually are pretty good. So what is up, dude? Um and I am exhausted. I'm exhausted. Um, but I'm excited to be doing this episode. Uh, currently, the yeah. time of this recording, my wife is in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it's been a little bit of a long day because, you know, I like to make sure that she gets to the airport safely. And so I stay on the phone with her. Um, so uh, she, we got up at one o'clock this morning um, and, and then uh, she left the house about two o'clock took about an hour to get to the airport so it was about three o'clock by the time i went back to sleep i got up at 5 15 i went back to the gym i started back at the gym this week uh today nice. actually um and let me tell you i haven't uh i haven't worked out like worked out in the gym probably a year or so a little over a year something like that right i haven't taken pre-workout in probably four years yeah it, it, um, it got to you didn't yeah it lit me up, but it was so awesome because I love that feeling. So like I, you know, I, I took my pre-workout. I was like, I'm gonna start taking this stuff again, especially if I'm going to get up at five o'clock in the morning. Like I need like a boost. Right. So, um, you know, I took it and I was like, okay, I'm good to go. And mind you, I used to take this stuff all the time and I have a really high caffeine tolerance anyway. So I used to take this stuff all the time and no lie. I used to be able to take it. I lived about 20 minutes from town. It took about 20 minutes to kick in. <clears throat> By the time it was supposed to be kicking in, most of the time I wouldn't even feel anything. And I would take a nap in my car before I'd go inside the gym because I would just be so tired all the time. Because that's 5 o'clock in the morning, right? Right. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, that was not the case today. Okay, right. <laughs> and I, was, I was on the treadmill. And for those of you who have never taken pre-workout, um, yeah, <laughs> it it gets you like worked up. Like Wait, you, you feel like, oh, yeah, let's go do this. Yeah. Um, but it feels like the initial feeling is like, it feels like, like ants are like under your skin trying to get out. Um, and so like I'm on the treadmill running and my arms just start like itching really bad. And I just like all over my back and all the things. And I was just like, man, this is, this is really setting in, but it was, it was good. I felt good getting back in the gym, working out. Um, it, it I felt like it helped me kind of be more productive throughout the day. Um, and I had tons of energy throughout the day. It's only just now when it's starting to hit me that I'm like, sleepy yeah. time. 
from time to time. Uh, but yeah, uh, so yeah, pre-workout because I used to work out a lot too back in the day, and I I I, I need to go back. But pre-workout does its thing, you know, gives you energy when you don't have it. That's that's all it does. It does. You know? Yeah. This episode is sponsored by C4. Yeah, um, so kidding. that would be great. I do have a few things to say uh, to our to our audience yeah. before we start and, and before you pick up a thousand pounds over your head with that pre-workout. Be like an ultimate warrior, man. Just keep on lifting, <laughs> right? So, uh, so if you go to our when words fail music dot com website, uh, there's a tab under this is blog. Um, we have three writers writing for us now. Um, they yeah. are Tim Pace. Alice Fry and Amanda Dolan. They are um, volunteers and interns, I guess. I guess we'll call them interns, you know, because we don't pay them. Yeah. We don't pay them because we're not paid yet. So we will pay them sorry. when. Yeah, yeah sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, guys. Yeah, but um, yeah, but they're awesome writers. And uh, Amanda Dolan. Nothing personal. <laughs> Amanda Dolan just released one today. And so go to whenwordsfailmusicspeaks.com slash blog, B L L G. And you can see all of your um, articles right now. We have about five of them. Because yeah. my friend um, um, Tim, he uh, produced the first article. And then he um, had two album reviews. He says yeah. that nobody is covering uh, Disturbs' latest album. So he, so he went in to do a, a, a review on it. And he gave it like, like, like uh, eight out of ten stars. Or like okay. four out of eight, so I'm surprised that, no, that that nobody's talking about it, you know, because it's been out for yeah. several several weeks or months, you know. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, I mean, do do you like Disturbed or do you're like, eh, they're okay. Um, I'm a casual Disturbed fan. Yeah. I feel like like they're you know the hits. Right. Like, I don't yeah. dislike them. I like the hits. Um, there's some deeper tracks that I do like. Yeah. Um, I can tell you this. One of my favorite songs on the Tony Hawk Pro Skater games, uh, it was Tony Hawk Underground 2, uh, Liberate uh, was the uh, song on that one, and it that was a bot, man. I loved skating around in Spain uh, to some Liberate, and you're riding on the back of the bull. Oh, man, that was I tell you what, time. though, I tell you what, though, they got good songs, but they make amazing cover versions, because... Um... Land of Confusion is like well, up there with um Ooh, yeah with Sound and Silence. Sound and Silence is is on another level, spiritual yeah. level. If you you know think about it, so here's here's how good that cover of uh um Land of Confusion is. I didn't know that that was a is a Genesis or is that a Phil Collins? That's a Genesis. That's Genesis. Yeah. Um, I didn't know that that was a Genesis song. Yeah. It, the way that it sounds, I was yeah. like, okay, Disturbed has a cool new song and then i realized it was a cover and i was like oh okay well ha, done ha, have you seen uh um the uh the the, the uh, genesis cover uh the genesis video of that song land of confusion it's weird yeah and it's strange yeah the, the it's puppets. like a it's like a really trippy fever dream it's like um what's that movie uh um not the David Bowie one, but the other one, Dark Dark Crystal. Oh yes, like the Jim Henson. Yes, like yeah. puppet. Yeah, with yes. the puppet. So, so, so anybody yeah. that knows about Jim Henson, you know puppets. Um, yeah. 
It's it's kind of like the like the weird vibe of Dark Crystal, but not really. Kind of, I don't know. You just have to look at yourself and you have to. It's yeah, one of those things. Yeah, man, it's it's really hard to describe. Weird. You almost have to just go watch it and yeah. feel uncomfortable. Now, the Disturbed music video for Land of Confusion is right. really cool. Great, yeah, yeah. like it, it's like a comic book. It's really it's really neat. It's great, that's great. So uh, go to the blog section of our our website and uh, and uh, read all those and. Tell them what you think about your articles, and also we want to give a big shout out to um the persons or persons that bought our shirt or more yes, than one uh, one item. Yeah, because I did see y'all y'all buying items, and we just be, been forgetting to uh, check check that account. So we appreciate you um buying our merchandise. Yeah, so, and we're we're talking all the time about trying to come up with some more designs uh for you guys, just to have a lot like a, a wider variety of of shirts uh, or designs that you can put on a shirt or you can put on a coffee mug or anything like that. Um, You know, that that's the, that's the the cool part about working with, um, you know, T public about, you know, getting some shirts out there. So thank you guys so much for, for getting those. Um, And thank you for those of you who are using our discount codes. Yes. Uh, Yes. Very much appreciated. Yes. Also for, for for you who bought our merchandise, uh, please. Um, we we want to see who bought it. So, um, if you yes. would tag us in, um, Instagram or TikTok or anything you get, you know, um, anything that we are a part of, we're a part of yep. like Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, all of them. So just tag us and tell us that you're out there and uh, and uh, yeah, because because we don't know who buys them. Yeah, because so, it doesn't we, tell us who. So yeah, that's big, yeah. We want to see you guys sporting um all that sweet sweet merch. Yeah, so, Sweet so. Uh, um, have you heard of Bay City Rollers, sir? Yes. S A T R D A Y night. Saturday night. Yes. That's I it okay, so I think that's the disco band, right? If I if yeah. I'm not mistaken. Okay, good, okay, 'cause if it wasn't then I don't know where to go from there because, you know, we're talking about disco today, y'all. Yes, um, sir. So, Man, t- get out your bell-bottom pants and your uh, <laughs> your uh, leisure suits, baby. It's going down tonight. Sadly, sadly enough, disco is dead. Wah, it's dead. Wah, it's wah. gone. But so we, we thought it might come back. It's come. It's making a comeback, baby. Is Don't it? You worry. Right. It is, and we'll get to that. Cool. Um, yeah, we've uh, we've we've talked about. Um, we haven't done like a subgenre or a genre of music kind of episode breakdown in a while so i uh, thought it'd be fun to do something kind of kind of out there a little different uh disco is a fun time um and was the fact that it was just such a it was a fun time but then it was also just hated by so many people mm. and then you know we will talk about the disco uh demolition of 1979 and kind of the day that disco died Aww. um like we're we'll we'll get to all that um but uh yeah let's uh let's Let's dive right into it real quick. Um, why don't we? Um, so here we go. Disco is a genre of dance music and a subculture. Um, it's more than just a genre. It is a culture, um, excuse me, that emerged in the 1970s from the United States urban nightlife scene. Uh, sound is uh, tip, typified. Typified? Type, what kind of word typified? is that? I, I never heard of that word. That's stupid. Where did you get this? Uh, I do, out of internet, <laughs> stupid internet. You got it anyway, on Wikipedia, I'm, man. I'm gonna change that word to characterized by four on the four, <laughs> uh, four on the floor beats, 
uh, syncopated bass lines, string sections, brass and horns, electric piano, synthesizers, and electric uh, rhythm guitars. Disco started as a mixture of music from venues popular uh, with Italian-Americans, Hispanic and Latino-Americans, and Black Americans in Philadelphia and New York City during the late 1960s and early 1970s. Uh, Disco can be seen as a reaction by the 1960s counterculture uh, to both the dominance of rock music and the mm, stigmatization Mm. of dance music uh, at the time. Uh, Several dance styles were developed during the period of disco's popularity in the United States, including The Bump and Do the Hustle. Do the Hustle. Do the Hustle. Um, in the course of the 1970s, disco music was developed uh, further uh, mainly by artists from the United States and Europe. Well-known artists, artists include uh, bands like the Bee Gees, Earth, Wind & Fire. I love Earth, Wind & Fire. Let me tell you something. <clears throat> I missed the opportunity to go see them in Columbia. I did too. I was one mad son of a gun. Yes. Anyway, Shaka Khan, uh, KC and the Sunshine Band, the Tramps, who I have, I've actually seen the Tramps. The Tramps came to Sumter one time. That was that was cool. Really? Yep. Um, and then the Village People, YMCA. Uh, while performers ga- uh, garnered public attention, record producers uh, working behind the scenes played an important role in developing the genre. By the late 1970s, most major U.S. cities had thriving disco club scenes, and DJs would mix dance records. Uh, at clubs such as Studio 54 in Manhattan, a very popular venue among celebrities. Uh, Nightclub goers often wore expensive, extravagant outfits consisting predominantly of loose, flowing pants uh, or dresses for ease of movement while dancing. I mean, makes sense, right? Bell bottoms, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, There was also a thriving drug subculture. That's fun. We're going to talk about that uh, in the disco scene, particularly for drugs that would enhance the experience of dancing to the loud music man and the flashing lights such as cocaine and quaaludes uh the latter being so common in disco disco subculture that they were nicknamed disco biscuits um that's what they called me in high school um disco clubs were also uh associated with with promiscuous promiscuous being promiscuous uh, as a reflection of the sexual revolution of this era in popular history uh, films such as Saturday Night Fever and Thank God It's Friday uh, contributed to disco's mainstream popularity. Disco would eventually become a key influence in the development of electronic dance music, house music, hip hop, uh, new wave, dance punk, and post disco. Uh, the style has had several revivals since the 1990s, and the influence of disco remains strong across American and European pop music. We'll talk about that. I can't wait to talk about that. Um, a revival has been underway since the early 2010s, uh, coming to great popularity in the early 2020s. So it up, uh, it's back, baby. It's back. It's back, back from the dead. It's like a zombie. So back. you can either you can either accept that it's here or you can try to take it out. But I don't suggest doing that. No, because all music- because you'll get bitten, and then you will become one of them. You will, and you will be attacked. By the cocaine bear. Cocaine bear. Which I want to watch it. Me too. I didn't know that was based on a true story. I I remember. Apparently it's a bear. I, who I believe that it was covered on uh, the last podcast on the left. I believe one of their side stories episodes. It seems like I remember hearing about this. 
oh. bear that got into someone's cocaine stash. Yeah. Um, and then and then yeah. went on a peanut butter jelly rampage, right? Yeah. Well, that just, just sounds like a typical just, Tuesday just, for me. Just, so. just ate up all the peanut butter jelly. Yeah. But the jelly was on human beings, so I don't know. Oh no. Anyway, typified human jelly. I can't believe that we're typified. What kind of no, okay? I don't. I don't okay. know. Okay. Okay. I, okay. I make up my own words when I don't like the words and <laughs> the notes. Well, I so. do too, but typified is not a word. We need like okay, okay. So we we have an epi- we have a cover wars episode that's going to be coming up here soon, um, and it involves a Russian uh, pop duo. Uh, and let me tell you, we are going to be struggling. James doesn't even know what we're doing yet. No, I don't. I started I don't. throwing notes together for it the other day, and I was like, this is going to be incredibly difficult because we are not very good at pronouncing people's names correctly with the exception of Elias Soriano. And I nailed it the first time. And he, um, and he, uh, and he praised you for that too. He did. So he that's did. a big and thing. I, and I stabbed him in the back because I didn't, he was on two of our cover wars episodes and <sighs> I did not choose his band either time. I'm sorry. I did though. Um, you did. I know. I did. So I know. So we welcome him with not. open arms. Come here, Elias. Come here. Yeah, we, come we here, Elias. You. Come on back. You. I'm we sorry, bud. <laughs> uh, but yes, James, why don't you tell us about, uh, the 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 early days of disco, disco kind of where okay. it came from. Cool. So the term disco is shorthand for the word disco. Disco tech. Disco tech. Thank you, sir. Yeah. A French word for library of phonograph re- records, uh, derived by its um, bibliotech. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> the word discotheque had the same meaning in English. In the 1950s, discotheque became used in French for a type of nightclub in Paris, France, after these had uh, resorted to playing records during the Nazi occupation in the early 1940s. Some clubs used it as their proper name. In 1960, it would be used to describe a Persian nightclub in an English magazine. The summer of 1964, um, a short sleeveless dress called a discotheque dress was briefly very popular in the United States. The earliest known use for the abbreviated form disco, in quotations, described this dress as been, uh, has been found in the Salt Lake Tribune on July 12, 1964. Playboy magazine used in September at the same year uh, to describe the Los Angeles nightclubs. Okay, so yeah, uh, that's kind of where kind of where it got it started. Discotheque, uh, bibliotheque, um, you know, like a library. Yeah, uh, and you know, so it was yeah, it was like a, it was a, like a, a library for records, music, yeah. um, and then kind of turned into like a nightclub scene, and then just kind of got shortened to. To the disco, yeah. So let's find out more about their musical style. Mm -hmm. Uh, The the disco sound was much more costly to produce than many other popular music genres from the 1970s. Unlike the simpler four-piece band sound of funk, soul music in the late 1960s, or the small jazz organ trios, disco music often uh, included a large band uh, with several cordial instruments, which is guitar, keyboard, and synthesizers. 
several drums or percussion instruments, drum kit, Latino percussion, electronic drums, and so forth and so on. And it, it also included a horn section, string orchestra, and a variety of classical solo instruments. Uh, for example, a, a flout, piccolo, and so on. Yeah, so if you ever pay attention, like if you ever watch old live videos of some of these old disco bands, especially Earth, Wind, and Fire, and like Casey and the Sunshine Band and all those guys, there's like 400 people in the band. Uh, the stage was like crowded with <laughs> all these people and just playing like multiple things. Like you, you had a, you didn't just have a drummer, you had a drummer and like a, an entire rhythm section. Right. Um, and you had people that you had a horn section, you had someone who would play things like flutes and, you know, uh, piccolos and all these things. So. I said, okay, so I'm, I'm correcting myself. I said flout. It's flute, but the person who plays the flute is a, is a flautist. A flautist. So I got yes. those backwards. So it's okay. Back. Yeah. You can you can say what, buddy. You can say whatever you want. You can call it whatever. Whatever. You can call it a flute for all I care. Like this is, <laughs> this is, this is the safe space. We okay. want everyone. This is a safe space, everybody. <laughs> all right. So cool, cool. So the popularity in nightclubs. Why don't we discuss that? Yeah. Um, so by the late 1970s, most major U.S. cities had thriving disco club scenes. Uh, the largest scenes were most notably in New York City, but also in Philadelphia, San Francisco, Miami, uh, and Washington, D.C. The scene was centered on discotheques, nightclubs, and private loft parties. In the late 1970s, uh, Studio 54, the infamous Studio 54, everybody's heard of that, uh, in Midtown Manhattan was arguably the best-known nightclub in the world. Uh, this club played a major formative role in the growth of disco um, and uh, nightclub culture in general. It was operated by Steve uh, Rubel and Ian Schrager uh, and was notorious for the hedonism uh, that went on within it. <laughs> the balconies were known for sexual encounters nah. um, and uh, drug use was rampant. Uh, its dance floor was decorated with an image of the uh, man in the moon that included an animated cocaine spoon. Yay! Nope, no, okay. yay! Don't, don't, you know, don't, we, we, we don't, we don't, we don't celebrate cocaine here, y'all. There yeah. is a um, except the cocaine bear. Even yeah, yeah, we we fully support <laughs> cocaine bear. Um, so there is a, I think there's a documentary about Studio Fifty Four on Netflix that I've been wanting to watch, but I have never actually sat down and watched it probably should have watched it before uh we did this episode but we'll we'll come back to it whenever i finally do watch it so do you know what it's called because i because i don't think i've never seen it okay. not off the top of my head but i know it's about studio 54 and like all the goings yeah. on right all the goings <laughs> on right yeah, yeah all the goings yeah. on so uh, by 1979, there were around 15,000 to 20,000 disco nightclubs in the U.S., many of them opening in suburban shopping centers, hotels, and restaurants. Excuse me, the 2000, excuse me, this happens every time we record. It's like, it's like all of my food decides it wants to just creep up out of my throat. And so the dogs. And the dogs. So I'm constantly like hiccuping and like burping and things like that. And I'm trying not to do it like on mic. So sorry, everybody. Um, the 2001 club uh, franchises were the most prolific chain of disco clubs in the country. Although many other attempts were made to franchise disco clubs, uh, 2001 was the only one to successfully do so uh, in this time frame. Nice. So, nice. Could you imagine if Studio 54 would have been a chain? No. Just the sheer chaos, the sin 
that would have covered this entire country. Yeah. You, you're, 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 you're talking about we don't, we don't uh, um, have sin right now. So I feel probably, like it would have been worse. It's, <laughs> it's probably a good thing that we got rid of it, though, you know? Um, so uh, let's talk about their uh, dance style. Dances and uh, disco. Do the hustle. Yes. In the early years, uh, dancers in, in, in discos danced in, in a hang loose or freestyle approach. They didn't care. They just did whatever their whatever floats their boat. Right. We're just That's here to have a good time. We're right. so high on cocaine that we have no idea what's happening. We're gonna give it to the We're cocaine bear. Yeah. Yeah. So at first, uh, many dancers improvised their own dance styles and dance steps. Later in the I would have loved to have seen the guy tripping on some, uh, or, or on a cocaine bender that was just making up his own dances. Oh, I'm sure uh, there was a lot of them back then. Those early days. That would have been a sight. I'm sure. If we all had video cell phones back then, oh, crap. Ooh. Instead Man. of Tinder, we'd be like, why don't you laugh at this app, you know? Yeah. Or something. So, uh, where am I? Where am I? Okay. So, Later in the disco era, uh, popular dance styles were developed, including the bump, penguin, boogaloo, Watergate, which is weird, and robot. I can understand boogaloo because that was a song. Um, boogaloo uh, down Broadway, you know, bo- boogaloo down Broadway. I, forgot I don't it. know, but I will say that the robot is probably the best one to come from all of those. Yeah. So I would it's imagine a, that. I would imagine. A, I would imagine that Watergate one was created by um, Richard Nixon. Uh, yeah, I wonder how that dance went. <laughs> I don't know, like running away or something. By October 1975, the hustle reigned supreme. Mm. Um, it was highly style, stylized, sophisticated, and overly, overtly sexual. Variations included the Brooklyn Hustle, New York Hustle, and Latin Hustle. Too much hustle for my blood. Too much. I'll tell you that. Too much. During the disco era, uh, many nightclubs would commonly host disco dance competitions uh, or offer free dance lessons. Some cities had disco dance instructors or dance schools, which taught people how to do popular dances, disco dances, such as touch dancing, the hustle and do the cha 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 baby. Do the cha I think that was the most popular one at one time, right? Probably, yeah. So, uh, the pioneer of uh, disco dance instruction was Karen Lust Gardner, uh, L U S T G A R T E N, for anybody who can um, speak uh, Lust? unlike Lust me. Who cares? Her name is Karen. We've got a Karen on our hands, okay? <laughs> Karen. <laughs> Karen is Karen. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll remember that, Karen. Yeah. Uh, Next time you're, you're showing showing your butt in Target when you don't get your way, I'll remember. And I'll say, you remember, Karen, when you were the the pioneer of disco dance instruction? And the Lust fr- Garden. What a last name. What a sinful last name. Lust, Lust oh, man. Garden. I tell you what, Gross. man. So. Uh, but Karen created it in San Francisco in 1973. Uh, her book, The Complete Guide to Disco Dancing, which is from Warner Brothers, Warner Books, 
1978. Warner Brothers. That would be hilarious. Um, well, the first first to name breakdown and codify popular disco dances as dance forms and distinguishes between disco freestyle partner and line dances. Interesting. So did she create line dancing? I don't know. I guess, I um, guess in a way she had a hand in it. <laughs> the book topped the New York Times bestseller list for 13 weeks and was translated into Chinese, German, and French. Oh, well, good for her. Uh, hey, good job, Karen. Thank you for creating job, the Karen. worst yeah. line, line dancing. I don't like line dancing. I don't know why. <laughs> You're not a line dancer. No, no. And and, and neither of my cousin, because when we don't went to his uh, wedding, he says, there will be no line dancer. And so we had no line dancing. So okay. That's a fun fact for anybody who cares. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, in Chicago... Um, the step-by-step dance, disco dance, uh, TV show was launched, uh, with the sponsorship support of the Coca-Cola company, uh, produced, produced in the same studio that Don Cornelius used the stage nationally syndicated dance for his television show, Soul Train. Soul Train. Which was great. I love, love, love Soul Train. Oh yeah. Love Soul Train. Uh, step by steps audience grew and the show became a success though. Mm-hmm. Uh, the dynamic dance duo of Robin and Reggie led the show. Uh, the pair spent the week teaching disco dancing to dancers and the disco clubs. Uh, the instructional show aired on Saturday mornings and had a strong following. Uh, the viewers of this show would stay up would stay up all night on Friday so that they could be seen on the next more on the next set next morning, are ready to return to disco on Saturday night, knowing that uh when knowing knowing with the latest personalized dance steps, so they waited uh all yeah, I mean, night Friday like night. Studying. Yeah, they're dance. they're studying. They're like, when I go to the club tomorrow night, I'm gonna, I'm gonna bust out this new move I learned. Soul Train. <laughs> no. The producers of the show are John Reed and Greg Ross Lilly. Um, Ross Lilly, yeah. yeah. Uh, routinely made appearances at disco functions uh, with Robert, with Robin and Reggie to scout out new dancing talent and promote upcoming events such as Disco Night at White Sox Park. So they mm. did Disco Night at a baseball um, stadium. Uh, and more on that later, because ultimately that would be what killed Disco, but we'll come back to that. Ah, okay. Um, we're going to touch on the fashion a little bit, too, because I'm, it, honestly, this is more than just a genre. This was a this was an, an entire subculture. Right. Uh, disco was it just consumed your life, so everything about it. So let's talk about the fashion real quick. So the Disco fashions were uh, very trendy in the late 1970s. Uh, Discotheque goers often wore glamorous, expensive, and extravagant fashions for nights out uh, at their local uh, disco club. Uh, some women would wear sheer flowing dresses, uh, such as Halston uh, dresses or loose flared pants, hello bell, uh, bell bottoms. Uh, other women wore tight, revealing sexy clothes, such as backless halter tops, disco pants, hot pants. Um, or body hugging spandex body wear or cat suits. They look like superheroes. 
Um, and then men would wear uh, some shiny polyester shirts and colorful patterns uh, and pointy extra wide collars, preferably open at the chest. Um, and uh, men often wore uh, also some three piece suits with a vest and a double knit polyester shirt jacket uh, with matching trousers known as the leisure suit. Yes. And if you're wondering, gosh, so- that sounds familiar, but where do I know that from? Cousin Eddie, baby. Cousin Eddie donned a leisure suit uh, in um, Eddie. Yeah, in uh, Christmas Vacation. Oh, because I'm thinking about Scarface. For Christmas dinner, for oh. Christmas dinner he's, he's sporting a leisure, a leisure suit. Because I'm, I'm thinking about Scarface, the movie where um, Tony Montana oh. meets... Uh, yeah. Uh, she, he dances with uh, Michelle Pfeiffer's character for the first time. Yeah. They were in the club, and you had the disco balls, and you had the great music, and... He was all oh, he, he was all decked out in the three piece suit, you know. She was sure. wearing that that sheer, um, that sheer um, uh, top, you know. Great. Yeah. Uh, question: What uh, remind me? What are hot pants? Because I'm not exactly sure what they are. Um. So hot pants. What's the best way that I can? Are they kind of like, like booty shorts? Well, I let me let me see if I can find a better way to. Yeah, so Man. Hot Pants was kind of like Daisy Dukes, but Got not it. as revealing. Like okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, and not in jean form. They were oh. just more like cargo pants. Uh, yeah, like okay. I just found a, I just Googled Hot Pants just now mm. and like, <laughs> okay. First article that comes up Hot Pants are back. And yes, they're hotter than ever. Oh. So, um, yeah, they made a comeback, man. So, as things do. And oh, yeah. one day, you know, we're, we're, well, I guess we're already there. The nineties are starting to come back. Like that is the, that is the fashion trends that I'm like ready to come back is the nineties. I'm just thinking that nineties fashion was just great, but I feel like it is grunge is a very popular, like fashion statement that a lot of people go to now. So, so. I guess the, the, the saint is true. What's oh, what what's old is new again. And that, and that's true because vinyl, vinyl records are coming back. Mm-hmm. And this apparently disco now it's like it's it's almost returned but not quite yet you know so I don't know yeah so you want to talk about the uh, the next subject I'll talk about drugs all day long <laughs> I'm just kidding. just kidding I am I I I, I, I do not I, first off I don't do drugs okay um the closest thing I've ever done was I took a Delta eight gummy one time and I thought I was gonna die. So it was a Delta eight uh, gummy. Um, It's uh, yeah. So it was, (laughs) it's supposed to um, relax me is what I was told. The whole idea behind it was like, I don't like to fly. So I was like, well, maybe if I took like a Delta eight gummy, like it would just like calm my nerves so I could like fly, but it made me really paranoid. And I was like, like, you know what? This is why I never did drugs in the first place because I can't handle it. So I'm good. Um, it, uh, it just made me really like, I don't know, just freaked me out. And I was like, I don't like the feeling of not being in, in control. So no drugs are not for me. Right, uh, yeah. In <laughs> addition to the dance and the fashion aspects of the disco club scene, there was also a thriving club drug, uh, subculture, um, particularly for drugs that would enhance the experience of dancing to the loud bass heavy music and the flashing colored lights, such as cocaine, also nicknamed blow. Um, uh, a meal, uh, nitrate, nitrite, not nitrate, nitrite, um, or poppers, and uh, the other quintessential 1970s club drug, Quaalude, 
which suspended motor coordination um, and gave the sensation that one's arms and legs had turned to jello. Um, if you want that, just go work out for a long time. Mm-hmm. Arms felt like jello sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Day. <laughs> and uh, quaaludes were so popular uh, at disco clubs that the drug was nicknamed Disco Biscuits, um, as we mentioned before. Uh, Paul Gutenberg states that, uh, quote, the relationship of cocaine to the 1970s disco culture cannot be stressed enough. During the 1970s, the use of cocaine uh, by well-to-do celebrities led to its glamorization in the widely held view that it was a soft drug. Uh, LSD, marijuana, and speed, uh, or amphetamines, uh, were also popular in nightclubs, and disco clubs, excuse me, and the use of these drugs, quote, contributed to the hedonistic quality of the dance floor experience. Uh, Since disco dances were typically held in liquor-licensed nightclubs and uh, dance clubs, alcoholic drinks were also consumed by dancers. Some users intentionally combined the alcohol with the consumption of other drugs, such as quaaludes, for a stronger effect. Mm. And all I got to say about that, that's stupid. Why would you do that? That is how you die. That is how people die right yeah, there. Yeah. You mix your alcohol with your hard drugs and you're going to die. That's how it works, man. How it works. Every I, time. I just find it hilarious that cocaine has several different names. Like like you said, blow is one of them. Yeah. Yep. So the two booger that sugar. I think is the most funny is booger sugar and, booger white, sugar. and, and white girl. Have you oh, heard? Okay. Have you heard white girl before? I've not heard it. I've not heard it called white girl before. Yeah. Interesting. White girl and booger sugar. Booger sugar is the most hilarious one of them all. So. Booger sugar is my, yeah. Uh, yeah, booger and sugar. marijuana is my favorite nickname for marijuana is the devil's lettuce. Ooh, I never heard that one. Funny, I've heard, yeah. I've heard um, um, reefer is... Uh, reefer. Uh, reefer. And uh, smoking tea is the, the other one that I've hardly, you know. So. Double entendre right. Disco biscuits. Yeah. Yes, yes. Um, but with all that said, we're gonna, we're gonna. I am um, not hooked on drugs, but I am hooked on caffeine and coffee, baby. Let me tell you. And feeling as tired as I am right now, I could go for another cup of Bones coffee. Yeah, what about so can you? I. So can I. We'll get to Bones coffee though in just a minute because I just realized I wasn't even that I was supposed to be reading. So James, why don't you tell us about no? You know what? We're going to flip it because you did better help last week. I will do better help this week. How about that? Cool. All right. Uh, so this episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, as you guys know, as we uh, as you guys know, we talk about mental health a lot on the show. And one of the best decisions that I have ever made personally uh, in my life was deciding to talk to a therapist. Uh, therapy is a tool to utilize before things get worse. Um, and it can help you avoid those lows. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so that you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's very customizable, and it's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. See why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp Online Therapy, and our listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com using the discount code MUSICSPEAKS, all one word, uh, all caps. So yeah, 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com discount code music speaks. And I'm telling you, man, therapy is great. I love it. It works. It, it works. works. It, it has been, it has been great for me. So nice, nice, nice. 
question for you, sir. What's better than music? Coffee. Coffee. So, man, so that's a very, very close. They're very close. They're neck and neck for me, man. It's just a way yeah. of each other. So Yeah, that's right. So we wanted to take a quick minute to tell you about our partnership with Amazing Bowls Coffee Company. Let's face it. You're probably sick and tired of drinking that plain Jane coffee that doesn't taste good. It tastes like gar. It tastes like garbage. You want another? Like doo-doo. Yeah, and you want some something with flavor in it. You know. Yeah. So don't worry. Uh, Bowen's here is Bowen's coffee is here to kick your taste buds into high gear. Um, Bowen's coffee has a wide variety of flavors to choose from, including maple bacon, peaches and scream, Highland grog, holy cannoli, which which Mister Brosley has on YouTube right now, and my yeah. personal favorite. Mint Invaders. And just in time for Valentine's Day, Red Velvet. So get your sweetheart the new flavor. Once you become hooked on to coffee, you'll be excited to learn that they have plenty of merchandise options available, including t-shirts, mugs, tub bags, the list goes on, y'all. You can buy the coffee in whole bean, ground, and even single serve options. Guys, we wouldn't lie to you. This coffee is great, and we know that you will love it too, which is why we have partnered up with them uh, and our listeners to give them an exclusive discount code. Go to www.bonescoffee.com to kickstart your new coffee addiction with, and use the code MUSICSPEAKS, all one word, all capital tools, for 10% off today. Yes, sir. Yes. We, so, I want you to become addicted to coffee, not cocaine. So, so. Mint Invaders... It's amazing. Let me tell you why. Have you ever had mint chocolate chip ice cream? I got some in the freezer right now. Can't wait to dive into it. That's the done. same taste in you. It's coffee. Love it. Coffee is good for you. It can do. It can motivate you to wake up and you know get to work. Yeah. And just, I mean, it's so good for you anyway. So yeah, just go to bonescoffee.com and uh, use Music Speaks discount code and your ten percent off. And you can use that even if you order. Uh, merchandise from them. You don't have to order coffee, yeah. but, go, but go ahead and order order you a cup of joe on us. Yeah. Have one on us. We will yes. put lots of you. Nope. You're going you're gonna to love it. It's great. It's great. Alright, so. Disco what? Demolition yeah. Night. Yeah, yeah. This, um, uh, what's, this is something, man. Okay. It is something, because it oh, was it's, just Oh, it's, it's really sad. Oh, is this the one that you told us before? The, okay, all right. So yeah, we're coming. We're finally. We're finally going to get into the death of disco. The death of disco. Okay, you want me to read this? Yeah, you can take this one. Okay, uh, disco demolition night. Doesn't sound good already. That's been bad demolition. Yeah. Uh, uh, disco De- demolition night was a major league baseball promotion on Thursday. I don't think that's so good. Mm. Okay. Whoever thought of that bad that promotion needs to get fired. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. 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 So, uh, July 12th, 1979, at Comiskey Park in Chicago, Illinois, that ended in a riot. That's never good. Mm. Yeah. At the climax of the event, um, which is the highest point of the event, um, right. a crate filled with disco records was blown, was blown up on the field between the games of the Twilight doubleheader between Chicago White Sox 
And then Detroit Tigers just exploded. You know, who knew who? Kaboom! Kaboom! Uh, many of those attendants had come to see the explosion rather than the games and rushed onto the field after the detonation. Wow. Uh, the playing field was so damaged by the explosion and caused and by the fans that the White Sox were required to forfeit the second game to the Tigers. Thanks a lot, fans. Yeah, that uh, was ruined for everyone. So Disco sparked a major backlash from the rock music fans and op- in opposition prominent enough um, that the White Sox seeking to fill the seats at Com- Comsky Park uh, during the lackluster season engaged Chicago Shock Jock and anti-disco campaigner Steve Dahl for the, for the promotion at the, at the uh, July 12th doubleheader. The old sponsorship sponsoring radio station was WLUP 90, 97.7 FN. Now it's WCKL. Uh, so admit, ad, admission was discounted to 98 cents for attending the tour who turned into in a disco record. Between games, uh, Dell was uh, to destroy the collected vinyl and, and explosion. So let me get this right. Uh, yeah. So, uh, what's the name? Uh, Dahl uh, got on the radio and said, hey, anybody who has a disco record, bring it in and we'll let you in for 98 cents to the game. And then I'll yeah. take the doll and then I'll blow it up on the field. Correct? Are so, we there? Yeah, like... You know, the White Sox during this time of the year, like, you know, they're struggling to, to put butts in the seats. Um, and they had this idea. Uh, you know, there was there was a shock jock that was around who was very anti disco. He was a rock DJ. Um, and again, we're talking about a time period where you have to pick what genre you like and then you have to hate every single other genre out there. That's just what it's only been very recently that it's okay, that it feels okay to be like, well, I like a little bit of this, a little bit of that. It's like, no, if you are a disco fan, you hate everything else. If you like rock music, you hate literally everything else. And, you know, I I, I love variations of of rock music, but I feel like the fandom can be kind of toxic. So, yeah, um, you see that a lot more where it's just like that rock is all there is and there's nothing else. And, um, you know, they made this they came up with this idea to let this infamous shock jock, um, you know, tell people like hey we're gonna blow up a bunch of disco records because we're sick of disco we're just gonna blow them up in the in the you know in between games so yeah if you brought a disco record that was gonna get blown up and destroyed in this um this big event then yeah they discounted your ticket to 98 cents that is so wild which i'm sure at that time you know tickets were probably a lot cheaper and like due to inflation like Baseball tickets yeah, now, yeah. especially doubleheader, would be like ridiculously expensive. But yes, at the time it was discounted to ninety eight cents if you would were to bring a record to blow up. <laughs> so, so White Sox official had hoped for a crowd of twenty thousand, about five thousand more than usual. Instead, at least fifty uh, thousand, including tens of thousands of dolls. Ad hurts adherence. Yeah, uh, packed the stadium, and thousand more continued to sneak in 
after the gates was closed. I don't know how. It's like Woodstock all yes, over again. Right. Uh, many of the records were not not collected by the staff and you and were thrown uh, like flying discs from the stands to the, on on the ball field. I think uh, after Dahl blew up the collected records, thousands of fans stormed the field and remained there until uh, dispersed by riot police. It really is like Woodstock '99. <laughs> all right. Yeah. The second game was was initially postponed, but was uh, forfeited by the White Sox uh, ne- next day by order of American League President Lee McFowl. Uh Disco Demolition Night proceeded and may have helped uh, participate in, in the decline of disco in the late 1979. Some scholars and disc artists have debated whether the event was expressive of racism and ho- and homophobia. Uh, Disco Demolition Night remains well known as one of the most extreme promotions in MLB history. Yeah, it's just just odd. That does sound like what's like, doesn't it? What's like yeah. um, 90, yeah. 99. Yeah, 99 was terrible. Um, we should do an episode on that one. Yeah. So we did. Uh, we did. Yeah, I we can't. did a we did a Woodstock episode. Um, and uh, honestly, we could do a whole episode just on Wood not Woodstock '99. That's the one um, I was talking about. Yeah, yeah, uh, we we did a Woodstock episode and kind of covered that briefly. And honestly, I would love to get into more of that. Mm. Um, but there is a really good documentary series on Netflix. I about have seen it. Woodstock '99. That is very good. That's, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I want to cover too. So okay, yeah. um, the second game. Okay, yeah, okay. So dozens of hand-painted banners such with, with such slogans as This Go Sucks were hung, were hung from the ballpark's seating docks, decks, um, seating decks. White Sox broadcaster Harry Carey uh, saw groups of music fans wandering the stands. Others sat intently... Harry Carey, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the... Have you ever seen the old Will Ferrell... Um, SNL clips where he's at like Harry Carey and he's like, if the if the moon was made of spare ribs, would you eat it? I'm sorry, that's all I can think about when I hear Harry Carey. Cubs win, Cubs win. <laughs> you do a good impression of that. So. Thanks, thank you. Thank so you. Uh, he's all um, groups of music fans wandering the stands. So uh, others sat intently in their seats, awaiting the explosion. It's a big firework over there, man. You better wait until you know. Um, it's going to happen. Mike Vick, uh, V-E-E-C-K, recalled yeah. an odor of marijuana in the grandstand and said of the attendees, uh, this is the Woodstock that, that they never had. Which is, yeah, yeah Woodstock. Uh, the odor permeated, per, permeated, okay, that's permeated, the way it yeah. permeated, uh, the press box, which Carrie and his broadcast partner Jimmy Parshale commented on over the air. The crowds outside uh, the the stadium also threw records, or and gathered them and burned them in bonfires. And I was trying to find a clip to kind of like you know because this was documented. Um, you know, 
and uh there there are videos on youtube talking about this uh and like live footage and coverage of of this incident but they're all like 20 minutes long and i was like that's a lot to sift through just to play like a handful of clips so it might just be better like if you got some time go watch like all, all this going on like it's very well and easily accessible on youtube so nice so Lo and behold, they all set off the explosives, destroying the records and tearing a large hole in the outfield grass. Thank you. Oh, no. Thanks for that. Thanks. Way to go. Thanks, doll. <laughs> uh, with, most of the with most of the security personnel still watching the gates uh, per Mike Vex orders, uh, there was almost no one guarding the place, the plane surface. Uh, soon... The first of 5,000 to 7,000 rushed onto the field, causing Quebec to flee the mound and join his teammates in a barricaded clubhouse. Uh, some, climbed, some climbed the foul poles, while others set, set records on fire and or ripped up the grass. The, battle, the, the, the batting cage was destroyed as the bases were pulled up and stolen. Among others, among those uh, taken to the field was 21-year-old sprint actor Michael Clark Duncan. Uh, during the melee, Duncan slid into third base, uh, had a silver belt buckle stolen, and went home with a bat from the dugout. Do you know who that is? Michael, Michael Duncan. Duncan. He's the guy from the Green Mile movie, right? From the Green Mile, yep. Green Mile and um, the whole nine yards. Yeah, that's a great yeah. movie. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, yeah. He was John Coffey in um the Great yeah, Mile. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. I was awesome. I just, love, I just love that little old fact. Yeah. yeah. Uh, as Bill Beck stood with the microphone near where home plate has been, had had been, uh, begging people to return to the stands, a bonfire raged in center field. Why is there always a bonfire? It's a. I don't. I don't get it. It's always someone's just got to just start. Let's just start the biggest fire possible. After all well, the writing, just start a fire. Well, come on, people need to smoke. I mean, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so give me light. Okay, well, there it is. Blazing we'll 45 feet in there. So hell yeah. <laughs> um, so Rolling Stone critic Dave Marsh uh, described the disco demolition as your most paranoid fantasy about where ethic. The ethnic cleansing of the rock radio could ultimately lead in quotations. Marsh was one who, at the time, uh, deemed the event to expression of bigotry, uh, writing in a year-end 1979 feature, quotation, white males, 18 to 34, are the most likely to like likely to see disco as the product of homosexuals Blacks and Latins, and therefore, they are most likely to respond to appeal to wipe out such threats to their security. It goes among without saying that such appeals um, are racist and sexist, but broadcasting has never been, and especially civil civil libertarian medium. In quotation marks. Wow. Yeah. That's it's a, a lot. That's a lot to behold. Yeah, yeah, but you know that's okay because they're well. It's not okay. But, <laughs> no, no, it's not know, okay. Um, 
So no, it's not okay. <laughs> uh, but you know, Disco died, and you know that was that was pretty much it. And it was hated for the next like ten Seven, years at yeah, least because yeah. it was it was the nineties before it really yeah. like even started to come back. So nineties uh, when started, when the, like Nirvana took over. You know, right, I had to yeah. say that nineties were weird, man. The nineties yeah. really was just all over the place with music, and honestly, I love that. Yeah. And that might be why like our generation like is so okay with enjoying mixed everything like genres of, of you know of music so um but yeah so in the 1990s after a decade of backlash disco and its legacy became more accepted by pop artists uh and listeners alike as more songs films and compilations were released that referenced disco uh this was part of a wave of 1970s nostalgia um that was taking place in popular culture at the time examples of songs during this time that were influenced by disco uh, included uh, D-Light's Grooves in the Heart um, in 1990, U2's Lemon in 1993, Blur's uh, Girls and Boys in 94, uh, and Entertain Me in 1995, um, uh, Pulp's Disco 2000 in 1995, and uh, let's see, Jam Jamaraki, I'm not familiar with that artist, I'm sorry, Canned Heat. Uh, in 99, while films such as Boogie Nights in 97 and The Last Days of Disco in 98 featured primarily disco tracks, I would hope that they would. Oh, with the that's of time. That was so. that, that was Jamiroquai. Oh, okay, gotcha. Jamir Jamiroquai, gotcha. Yeah, they they were they had the Jamiroquai. Yeah, totally. Off. Yeah, uh, they were a uh, two hit Wonder Man. They had two okay. hits and then they fizzled out. So yeah, Jamiroquai. Gotcha, Jamiroquai. Okay, well now I know. Yep. Uh, but in 2013, several 1970s style disco and funk songs charted, uh, and the pop charts had more dance songs than any other point in the uh, since any other point since the late 1970s. Uh, the biggest disco song of the year, uh, as of June, was "Get Lucky" by Daft Punk, and yes. uh, that's one of the songs that I wanted to slam my head uh, into the that's table every time I heard it. I was so tired of hearing it, though. I heard it all the time. They did, they did, uh, they, they they did overplay it except excessively. So, yeah, too much. Yeah. Uh, Random Access Memories also ended up winning Album of the Year at the uh, 2014 Grammys. Mm-hmm. Other disco styled songs that made it into the top 40 were Robin Thicke's Blurred Lines. That's another one. Everybody get up! I was mm. Like every time I heard it, I was like, "Shut! Everybody shut up!" Yeah. Uh, which went <laughs> to number one. Uh, Justin Timberlake's take back the night um number 29 and then bruno mars treasure uh which is a good song i like bruno mars um and then in other top 10 entries uh from 2015 like mark ronson now this this is a bop mark ronson's disco groove infused uptown funk yes that's uh maroon fives sugar uh and uh the weekends can't feel my face yes hey i like the weekend um, and Jason Derulo's Want You to Want Me also ascended the charts and Dude, have a strong disco influence. That song, complete banger. I love that song. Both of the songs. Yeah. Yep. Absolute Both of them bangers, are good. Yeah. So oh. that's disco, man. And you know, it died, it came back, and we're, you know, we're we're happy it's back, I guess, to a uh, to a degree. Some of <laughs> us probably aren't happy about it, and that's okay. And that is what I want your mental health minute to be today. Um, as we have seen in this uh, this deep dive into the 70s and disco and all these things, you shut your mouth, you cute thing. 
Um, she's getting antsy. Okay. She's cooped up. Is that Lucy? Um, and that's Lucy. Yeah. That's Lucy. That's my baby girl. Oh. Um, so your mental health minute today. Think about all the types of music that you like. As you know, on this show, we don't have uh, guilty pleasures. We don't consider it out of thing anymore. Um, you like what you like. And uh, something as toxic as like the all these rock like gatekeepers that are just like disco sucks. We're gonna blow like no, but someone enjoys that. Just let them enjoy it. Yeah. So that that I think is important too. Like take if there's anything that you can take away from this episode for your mental health minute, let people enjoy stuff, man. Like even if you're not into it, just let them enjoy it. If it brings them happiness and it makes them feel good. Why would you want to take that away from somebody? It's very, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's an icky thing to me for someone to be that way. So let them enjoy it. And hopefully we don't ever come to another uh, situation like this um, where, uh, you know, where, where we're doing, we're, we're blowing up uh, records, even though we don't do that anymore. Mm. I, and I'll say this, I'll kind of, I'll bring it back around. Um, I will talk about this on our uh, next cover wars too, but I am kind of getting tired of TikToks like covers as of, you know what I'm saying? Like all these artists that are trying to make it big on TikTok where they're like, um, I just did a pop punk cover of this yeah. rap song. And it's yeah. like, okay, buddy, like we have heard this 5,000 times. I get tired of it, but you know what? It doesn't matter. If there's someone out there that likes that band, discovers that band, or maybe even discovers punk rock uh, as a result of that one TikTok that I thought was kind of annoying, who am I in that situation? Doesn't matter. Brought somebody happiness, and that's what is important. So, yeah. There you go. Yeah. Every, right. Everybody has a different taste, and, uh, and yeah, just because we don't like something, that doesn't mean uh, right. this dude's mother doesn't like this one. So. Right. So, thank you, everybody, for listening to the show today. Um, be sure to share this with your friends and families, Lucy and Hank. And Hank and Lucy. Um, and please leave a rating and review uh, wherever you can, such as Apple Podcasts. It helps us out tremendously, As and we'll read your review right here on the show, if you want us to. Sorry, I was getting dog kisses. Yeah. Um, the best way to stay up to date with us is by following us on all of our social media. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, as I just mentioned. Uh, just search for When Words Fail, Music Speaks Podcast, and give us a follow. Uh, would you like to be interviewed on the show? Reach us, reach out to us here, or um, you can email us at james at com or Blake at com, or you can message us on any of our social medias we've, we've mentioned before. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel where you can watch more interviews, uh, music video reactions, vinyl showcases, and much, much more. It's youtube.com slash when words fail, music speaks. Uh, be sure to turn on the notifications bell so that you can be notified whenever new videos are uploaded. And if you don't mind, if you're watching this video on YouTube right now, give us a thumbs up. We really appreciate it. Yeah. For all of these links to find out more about us, uh, or to buy some of our awesome merchandise, uh, visit our website, when we're to com.
Our logo was created by One Up Graphics, and our theme song was created by Doc Brass. You can follow both of them on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, it's at One Up Graphics and at DOK Brass. Um, you can also check out my other podcast. It's called South Carolina Spook Show. Um, it is all about uh, true crime, paranormal, and uh, all things spooky from the state of South Carolina. Um, I have been working on a new episode for that, too, so hopefully I'll have that out soon. Um, and that is available wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, if you don't mind, give me a review on that as well. Yeah. Quit biting me. So the sources from this podcast was Wikipedia, songfacts.com, and all of, all of that's interesting.com. We do nah. not own or any of the music used in this episode because we're not playing any music from this episode. So hey, no, there you go. There you go. So that can that can go out the window now. Um, gotcha. So you can't us because no copyright is in instrument is intended. Yeah. So we don't have like to see you try YouTube. Just yeah. yeah so. <laughs> James, you got anything else before we wrap up? Yes. Go to uh, if you would please go to WhenWordsFailMusicSpeaks dot com under the blog tag tab. Read all the blogs. Tell them what you think they did great works. Uh, if you purchased our merchandise, please tag us on any uh, social media that we're on and that you're on. And yeah. listen to Beartooth, because I see you got the shirt on. And go. especially shirt. listen to Creed. Creed, baby. And uh, thanks again for listening. And always remember, when words fail, music speaks. Hi, guys. Bye.